Hey man, what's your bacon? I think you gotta tell everybody what that means first. It's that extra side topping a main course in life that makes everything about your day even better. Whether it's movies, music, cooking, paranormal, video games, whatever it is that helps you unwind, maybe you can get a little bit inspired. We talk to hot new bands. We are Felicity. Hey, this is Bradley from Emerosa. TV personalities. Hi, my name is Rachel Pizzolatto. Hi, my name is Patty Nagley. Wrestling personalities. Mm. Hi everybody, I am Eric. Actors. Mr. Sean Kanan, thank you for joining us. Hello, podcasters. Emo Social Club. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Trader. Pretty much any like-minded creative across all facets of the entertainment industry. You can check out Bacon is My Podcast on all streaming platforms, as well as the Strangerhood TV YouTube channel. New episodes dropping every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Listen in when we find the answer to the question, what's your bacon? another episode of strange places yeah we are back now if you hear a air conditioner turning off and on which is the uh, cardinal sin of podcasting i know this <laughs> just don't think anything of it it is uh getting to where it's going to be extremely hot in this room so uh yeah hopefully my over 20 years of uh, audio engineering can help combat that a little bit i hope but let's just get into it shall we this is about the house on Chase Street. Where are we going this week? You'll find out. Tell you what. Let's, uh, let's just jump into this one. This house was a fixer-upper. I mean, that, that was for sure. The dilapidated duplex on Chase Street in West uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania, had certainly seen better days. Janet and Jack Smurl didn't mind rolling up their sleeves and putting in the work, though. It wasn't as if they were spoiled for choice. Their previous property in Wilkes Bar had been severely damaged in a flood. It was unlivable, and in 1974, the couple moved into the Chase Street residence with their young children and Jack's parents. But unfortunately, from every account that I could look up, eh, all it did was uh, start, you know, <laughs> domino effect that caused the next 13 years to be pure hell. The problems did start in, in, innocuously enough, though, with knocking noises that appeared to be coming from the pipes. In a house as poorly maintained as this one, I mean, this wasn't exactly unexpected. Then things started breaking down. Water pipes burst, the TV refused to turn on, other appliances stopped working for absolutely no reason. These problems... They were put up, you know, put down to the house's poor state of repair to, you know, problems with the plumbing, electrical wiring, as anybody would, you know, anybody would come to that conclusion. The house on Chase Street was turning out to be kind of a money pit. But then things started to escalate. Terrible odors pervaded the house. We've heard this before, haven't we? Multiple times, in fact. Strong enough to, pick the, to make the occupants physically sick. There were sudden and unexplained drops in temperature. Doors opened and slammed shut when nobody was near them. And then 
Scratches started to appear on the freshly painted wall. Scratches that looked suspiciously like they'd been made by clawed hands raking across the plaster. It got worse from there. The family started hearing eerie, whispered voices in the halls, insane giggling coming from the closets. Human-shaped shadows flitted across the walls and the ceilings. Bizarre. On one occasion, the family's pet dog was flung across the room. Then one of the Smurl siblings fell down the stairs and swore that she had felt a hand on her back, giving her a shove as she stood on the landing. Another of the children had a narrow escape too. A cast iron light fitting somehow worked its way loose from the ceiling and plunged to the floor, missed him by mere inches. Meanwhile, Janet confided to her husband that she was hearing whispered voices in her head that felt like they might drive her insane. The final straw came with uh, when both Jack and Janet experienced terrifying nighttime visitations. They both believed that they had been sexually assaulted by a demon. The Smurls were a... Uh, they were a religious family who seldom, if ever, missed Sunday services at the local Catholic church. Now, in their hour of need, they turned to their church for solace, as anybody would. However, their request for a priest to perform an exorcism at the property was turned down. The diocese did not believe that this was a genuine case of demonic possession and suggested there might be other explanations for this phenomena. It was at this point that the Smurls decided to go public with their experiences. And this is when things kind of start getting really interesting. In this modern era, the story would probably be laughed off by the mainstream media, but back in the mid-70s, papers lapped it up. I'm not used to seeing that. <laughs> when I'm doing my uh, research, looks like things were quite different back then. The satanic panic. Uh, it's got a... Bit of a ring to it. The satanic panic of the 1980s was still a, still nearly a decade away. But sensationalism sells newspapers, and the story was certainly sensational. Jack and Janet, they found themselves engineated with requests for interviews, converted overnight into minor celebrities. Their story also attracted the attention of Ed and Lorraine Warren, Arguably America's most famous, and I add from my notes here that I should have written. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Controversial. Paranormal investigators. By the time they took an interest in the Smurl case, the Warrens had already gained notoriety for their involvement in such high-profile incidents like Amityville, Enfield hauntings. Modern movie audiences know the Warrens. From their depiction in the Hollywood blockbuster The Conjuring, they're played by, you know, Patrick Wilson. Uh, what was the other one? Vera Farmiga. I can never say her name right. The Conjuring. It's based on the disturbing events experienced by the Perrin family at their Rhode Island farmhouse, 1971. Ed and Lorraine Warren had been involved in that case. They would soon involve themselves in the Chase Street haunting. After conducting an extensive investigation of the property, they declared that it was haunted by three ghosts. A harmless old lady, a troubled young girl, and a middle-aged man, all of whom had died in the house. 
These entities, though, were relatively benign. The real problem was that a demon had taken up residence. It was this evil presence that was behind the worrying occurrences at the property. The Warrens would compile a collection of audio and videotapes documenting their experiences inside the Chase Street duplex. According to Ed, these show definite evidence of demonic possession, including furniture moving by itself and the words, Get Out, appearing spontaneously on a mirror. There was also the knocking, always in threes, which according to Ed was to make a mockery of the Holy Trinity. How do you know that? <laughs> It's just, I, I, I know that the, um, the Warrens are very controversial. It's just some of the statements that they make. The knocking in threes was to mock the Holy Trinity. How did you arrive at that? <laughs> That's just bizarre to me. I mean, who instructed you? You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's weird. These tapes, the Warrens claimed, were handed over to the Diocese of Scranton to provide the church to take action. When the church was still when the church still declined, Ed encouraged the Smurl family to have religious music playing on a loop to force the demon out because we all know that demons hate religious music. You never see them at Christian concerts. This is forgive me, but I'm never this cynical, but when it comes to the Warrens, I have problems. This failed to do the trick, however, and so the Warrens hired their own preacher, Father Robert McKenna, to perform an exorcism at the property. There would be three such rituals. After the third, Father McKenna declared that the demon had been driven out and that there would be no further visitations. However, the Smurls continued to experience paranormal phenomena, albeit not as intense as before. In 1989, after 15 years of otherworldly abuse, the fi they finally called time and moved out of the house. The Chase Street Haunting is one of the most famous cases of paranormal activity ever documented in the United States. Well, once we get past my notes here, we'll see about that. A lot of that has to do with the, you know, the involvement of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And with the publicity given to the case by Scranton journalist Robert Curran. Curran appeared, he appeared to be a true believer in the supernatural aspects of the case, but perhaps he had an ulterior motive, some say, for talking it up. Free publicity for his book, The Haunted, right? Written about the case and co-authored by the Smurls and the Warrens. The Haunting, The Haunted, I can't talk today, would later be turned into a made-for-TV movie of the same name starring Jeffrey DeMunn and Kaz, uh, Sally Kirkland, sorry. Now, I, I just had to cut there. If my voice sounds dramatically different halfway through this podcast, you're never going to believe this. I just had a microphone bite the dust on me. Uh, I, I've, I've been having problems with that mic ever since I bought it, and I haven't had it very long. Sad thing is, it's a sure SM57, which is known, you know, for the way that they're built. But uh, I guess, you know, every company makes a lemon, so... Their products are so good, I'm hoping that their return policy is just as good. So if my voice sounds completely different, I literally just had a microphone bite the dust on me halfway through this. So uh, very unprofessional. But you know what? We're going to carry on. That ain't going to stop us. So where was I? The book, the movie, right? Now, cases of paranormal phenomena are always controversial. Always. 
Science may scoff at the evidence or lack thereof, but there are plenty of believers. Recent polls suggest that as many as two in five Americans think ghosts and demons are real. What then of the Smurl case, right? Was it true? Was it a true instance of demonic possession, for real? Can a demon possess a home? Was it a collective mental breakdown of those living at the Chase Street address? Cynical plot to benefit financially from book and TV rights? Well, that's what I'm going to attempt to answer. Now, just to get it out of the way first, I want to talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. They really kind of need no introduction. I mean, they, uh, you know, American paranormal investigators, the authors associated with prominent cases of alleged hauntings. Edward was a self-taught, self-professed demonologist, author, lecturer, Lorraine. She professed to be a clairvoyant, light transmedium, who worked closely with her husband. I'm not going to point fingers at people and assume stuff and... I just want to look at things the way they are, right? 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England, making it one of the oldest in the U.S. So many books. Investigated over 10,000 cases throughout their career. They were, you know, the first at Amityville. They, you know, they've been adapted <laughs> so many times. Dozens of films, either directly inspired or just inspired. Amityville Horror, The Conjuring Universe, right? It's a pretty amazing, their reach that they've had. Now, you know, on the other side of it, this is why I have a problem with the Warrens. According to a 1997 interview with the Connecticut Post, Steve Novella and Perry DeAngelis investigated the Warrens for the New England Skeptical Society. They found the couple to be pleasant people, but their claims of demons and ghosts to be, at best, tellers of meaningless ghost stories and dangerous frauds. They kind of felt that going in, which I think is wrong. Skepticism is not just saying no to everything. Skepticism is having a healthy doubt. And then when you're faced with the real deal, being, you know, <laughs> I'm wheezing. <laughs> I just woke up. Being honest with yourself and realizing when you're up against something that you cannot explain. There has to be a healthy skepticism. You know what I mean? I think these people were wanting to say no going in. I just want to throw that out there, too. And trust me, it's not easy for me to defend the Warrens because <laughs> I have my opinions. But opinions shouldn't have anything to do with this. we got to look at evidence, right? Now, they found common errors with flash photography. Nothing evil in the artifacts the Warrens had collected. I don't know how you tell that. But uh, they have... Fish stories about evidence that got away. They're not go doing good scientific investigation. This is what they say. They have a predetermined conclusion which they adhere to literally and religiously. This seems to be... I mean, really? Is this all the skeptical, quote-unquote, evidence against the Warrens? Hmm. If that's it, that's pretty weak. And this sounds a little personal. You know what I mean? But let's keep digging. In an article for the Sydney Morning Herald that examined whether the supernatural films are based on real events, that investigation was used as evidence to the contrary. As Novella is quoted, the Warrens claim to have you know, scientific evidence which does indeed prove the existence of ghosts, which sounds like a testable claim into which we could sink our investigative teeth. 
And we found a very nice couple, some genuinely sincere people, but absolutely no compelling evidence. This is all that people have against the Warrens. Uh, we might have to dig a little bit deeper here. Let's see. I want to see something in, in particular. Okay. All right. There's really not a lot on Ed and Lorraine Warren. You know, as far as them being like just, you know, flat out frauds, they always pour, you know, they always, it seems to me that it seemed, this is more personal. They seem to really attack Ed on some affair he had 40 years ago or whatever. That has nothing to do, uh, that has a lot to do with certain things, but nothing to do with the paranormal research itself. That, you know, doesn't matter. I just, maybe it's just a natural human thing to want to attack people, and maybe I'm guilty of it, shit, that are making such a killing on this. And there's really, how can I, how do I put this? There's no arguing to the people who have suffered from this stuff, right? Whether it was haunting or not or whatever. There's no arguing from these people that the Warrens didn't help them or had helped them. You, you, I'm not very eloquent, but they're not going to tell you that the Warrens didn't help them. The Warrens have done a lot of good for a lot of people, and uh, these people will attest to that. But, you know, it, that's kind of what the Warrens are after anyway, right? To... <laughs> give these people some peace to give these people their lives back. Warrens have certainly profited off of it. But here's the thing that I thought there was a lot more against the Warrens. Maybe I'm being judgmental here, but... Okay, well, let's see another article. I just... Something's off here. I want to keep digging. Uh, let's see. Uh-huh... <laughs> I'm reading. Okay. Freaky things that happened uh, during Ed and Lorraine Warren's investigation. There we go. Relationship thing again. What does that matter? Have you been wondering about your own well-being? Are you a fan of personal growth, health and wellness, or are you looking to expand your feel-good education in alternative ways? Come join Cat Burdett, holistic well-being coach, eternal nomad, and self-love enthusiast on the Well-Being Wanderer podcast, a show that deep dives into the holistic side of well-being, where she explores what it really takes to achieve that happy, content state of being. With juicy solo episodes and top guest interviews from some of the leading health and wellness industry experts, the goal of the show is to bring you those feel-good vibes and expand and encourage your personal growth so that you can discover what well-being means for you. Every and any genre is covered on the Well-Being Wanderer podcast, including holistic health, mindset, spirituality, and much, much more. So get ready for a stimulating, mind-opening, raw, and real experience where no topic is off limits. Listen now on Spotify and Apple, and I will be including a link in this episode's description. Check them out.
this Judith Penny woman saying that she had an affair with him 40 years ago, that they got pregnant and all that. It's kind of funny. You see all these articles that are saying, oh, Ed and Lorraine Warren are frauds, and then that's all they have? That bothers me. It does bother me that Ed and Lorraine Warren, this is turning into an Ed and Lorraine Warren episode, but I got to tell you, it does bother me that these two people have profited like they have. I mean, granted, they're the cases and what they do is going to be a thing that people kind of kind of attracted to. It's going to be a big deal, you know what I mean? But you know, people are going to take notice, right? But it's hard to prove if they went into this themselves. Hmm. I just keep hearing these controversial things about Ed and Lorraine Warren, and this is all they have? It's kind of pathetic. I'm seeing a couple of people that have profited big time off of the hauntings that they've done, and they were never one to shy away from the camera and the book deals and the movie deals and whatnot. Never one to shy away from that. I think some of the claims that they make are preposterous. Walking into a place and knowing in two seconds that how many demons they were and why knocking three times and mocks the Holy Trinity and come on. <laughs> Is it, you know, probably because Lorraine Warren does have a touch of forgive my pun here, but does have a touch of the shining to her? It could be. That's what makes the claim so preposterous. And honestly, what I've seen throughout these investigations that we do, it's sometimes the most preposterous stuff, the stuff that you think, oh, there's no way that could possibly be true. Those are the ones we kind of, we end up proving. The ones that are just so batshit crazy that you think, oh, there's no way that this is real. Oftentimes, those are the ones that we end up not able to debunk. It just looks to me now that I really dig. <sighs> the only thing that they have on Ed and Lorraine Warren has nothing to do with the paranormal research itself. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into the affair thing. That's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with the paranormal research it itself, which is why we're here. And we want to know. If this is a legitimate thing, a legitimate haunting. But at the end of the day, do we really need Ed and Lorraine Warren to tell us that? Is there any evidence outside of that? Well, I want to get digging and find out. So let's do that. See if there's anything that exists outside of the uh, the Warrens. I know they're very controversial figures, man. I keep talking about it, but I, I just, I gotta put this to bed. I have to put it to bed here because we're going to see the Warrens a lot on the show. <laughs> we are. I, I do think some of the things they say are preposterous. I do think that it's odd. Just their mannerisms and the way they do things. And to, I mean, but on the other hand, they've helped a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that swear that Ed and Lorraine Warren were... You know, help them move on with their lives. They only, they still to this day, they only charge $13 for their tour, you know, as famous as they are, $13 to tour all their haunted stuff and hear their stories and all that. That's pretty awesome. That's like, you know, Metallica never making their tickets above $30. That's the, that's, uh, that says a lot. And whenever somebody becomes successful like that, it's always easy for people to say, oh, they're selling out or they're not, you know, whatever. But 
I need to see a little bit more meat as far as if Ed and Lorraine Warren are, um, you know, frauds. There's just, I'm not seeing anything there. The arguments that people have, honestly, are fucking bullshit. And I have my problems with Ed and Lorraine Warren as well. And these aren't based on anything factual. Maybe I was even being too judgmental, but I just think that the way that they arrive at things, some of the things they say are so, I'm just like, where is this coming from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where? This is so crazy. But uh, yeah, that aside, we just need to kind of clear our, <laughs> at least I do, need to kind of clear my thoughts of Ed and Lorraine Warren for now until I find something that I'm like, ah, I knew they were full of shit, you know, until I find something for sure. So till then, we'll just say that the Warrens themselves merit further study. So let's continue. Let's look at the house, the haunting, you know, itself, or the whatever it was. Let's look at that on its own. Maybe we don't even need Ed and Lorraine Warren. Because honestly, if this was a legitimate haunting, if this was a legitimate possession or whatever, we don't need Ed and Lorraine Warren. We don't need them. I mean, this is always a thing that's mentioned. Ed and Lorraine Warren are going to do nothing to prove if any of this is true. They'll give us a springboard. Maybe they'll give us some help. But it, that's kind of why they're there in the first place, right? Eh. Ed and Lorraine, okay. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I just don't know yet. But I am very confident that we will see them again on this show soon. So let's look at the house. Okay, I cut there for a little while. And I, you know, kind of dove into some research. I would normally do that live on the show. You know, live, we're not live, but, you know, as I'm recording. But there was just, there was, yeah, uh, there was a lot there. When I kind of read the synopsis of what was going on with this haunting online, they were saying it was well-documented. Boy, they weren't shitting. Uh, the video and audio that Ed and Lorraine Warren recorded at that house might provide some answers, but those items are lost. Ed claims to have handed them over to the Diocese of Scranton. Diocese swears he never saw them. The church did, however, assign one of its ministers to investigate the claims made by the Smurls. Father Traybold was the priest in question and recorded in his report that I'm looking at right now. He did not find Janet and Jack Smurl to be sincere. They're prone to sensationalizing and especially in the lectures they gave to audiences unfamiliar with the details of the case. Wow, talk about turning on your uh, church members. Jeez. Kind of, you could almost hear the bus roll over them. Jack and Janet would tone down the rhetoric if they spotted Father Trable in the audience. Eventually, he took to wearing disguises. Yeah. According to him, he'd often sit there chuckling at their wild claims. Despite this, Father Trable did not believe that the family simply made these stories up. That's going a little far, don't you think? That he would... Doesn't that sound kind of malicious to you? That they asked the church for help, the church said no, they went public, which put that church in the public eye, you know, without their knowledge or okay, you know. And the pastor goes and says, oh, they're prone to sensationalizing and wears disguises so he could show up at their speech. That's that, that's odd. That's taking things really far. When I saw that, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's weird. Father Traybold was the priest in question, recorded in his report, you know, he didn't find them sincere, but he did say he doesn't think that they just made this up. He said, definitely something happened in that house, he said. I just can't say if it was something demonic. 
well, if you had taken it seriously and at least, you know, in my opinion anyway, at least stop by, you know, well, take five minutes out of your day just to, you know, see out of your own human curiosity, you probably could have come to that conclusion. You can't say that something is demonic without even showing up. You know what I mean? You can't hear about a case. Like, someone can't come to me and be like, I think there's a demon haunting my house. And despite the person, despite, you know, how they come off, I, how can I tell them <laughs> that it's a haunting or not without fucking showing up? Professor Paul Kurtz, from what I'm seeing at the yeah State University of New York at Buffalo. See, I'm doing some live research here. Uh, let's see, I'm reading what he's saying. He looks way less sympathetic. Uh, his interest in this case looks like it came via his chairmanship of the Committee for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. It's quite the handle. According to him, the whole thing is a hoax, a charade, a ghost story. Perhaps this was a deliberate deception. I'm reading a quote here. Perhaps a case of delusions, hallucinations, or brain impairment. It was noted that Jack Smurl had undergone surgery in 1983 to remove water from his brain. This was caused by a case of meningitis in his youth. Meningitis can cause short-term memory loss when you have it, not afterwards. Perhaps Jack started filling in those lost moments with imagined paranormal experiences. Perhaps those delusions spread to others in the house, causing a case of mass hysteria. Let me tell you something, diocese. Um... You said that you never received the tapes. The Warrens said that they re recorded extensive stuff and delivered it to you. There's, <laughs> I'm one of those people that kind of uh, makes my eye twitch to defend Ed and Lorraine Warren, but there were witnesses to that delivery. You realize that, right? That Ed and Lorraine Warren did deliver that stuff to the diocese. And now they're saying they don't have it. Well, if, if it's kind of one of those things, right? You're, you're saying that you don't have these materials, but this whole thing is a hoax. I'm like, great, we know you have the materials. If it's such a hoax, then why, why are you saying you don't have them? That just makes the diocese, that just makes the church look bad. Many of the phenomena could be explained away, Kurt's says the foul smell could have been down to an overflowing sewer, a uh, natural gas leak, which is actually what we arrived at one of our earlier episodes, remember? Plumbing pipes, they do rattle in old houses. They cause knocking sounds. Kurtz did not attempt to explain how the temperature inside a suburban home suddenly drops to near freezing or how an unfortunate canine can suddenly be thrown across a room. He did, however, offer an assessment of Ed and Lorraine Warren. He said... They are not objective, independent, or impartial. Looks like he stopped just short of calling them freaking charlatans and fraudsters, but only just. For the record, okay. The next resident of the Chase Duplex, Deborah Owens, never lost a single night's sleep due to paranormal activity. Perhaps Father McKenna's prayers and incantations were successful in driving out the ghosts and demons after all. Or perhaps they were never there to begin with. Or I'd like to go a step further and say perhaps that it was the family themselves. Now, do, do the Warrens have anything left? Did they keep anything? Because here's another thing that bothers me. The church, you, you gotta admit, just use your common sense mind here, common sense, okay? The church has been pretty dicey from Jump Street. This whole thing, 
they've been pretty freaking dicey. Uh, pretty sketchy. So if I were Ed and Lorraine Warren, <laughs> I would hold back some stuff. You know what I mean? That just makes sense, doesn't it? And Ed and Lorraine Warren, they've apparently been around the block enough to where they should know that. I'm no expert ghost hunter, and I've already arrived at that fucking conclusion. So let's see. Chase Street. Uh, is there anything that the Warrens kept? The Smurl Haunting, it's officially called? Okay. Smurl Haunting. Mechanical keyboard. What is that? Cherry MX Blues or whatever they're called? Very loud. Um, all right, let's look at this. I just see a lot of family photos. What the hell is that? Is that real? The chairs stacked? Mm, I got to find out about that one. I didn't see that photo earlier. God, that's, that's another thing that bugs me too. I mean, the way that Lorraine Warren just kind of acts out these things but the, the, you know that's just that, that bothers me but then again i'm not a uh you know i'm not in tune with that kind of stuff i don't have the i don't have the shine to me you know so i don't know what that's supposed to look like right it's just uh, it's just weird everything about this is weird <laughs> okay smurl haunting let's look at some okay paperback book version the haunting published by st martin's press the pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in West Pittston, Reverend Joseph Aronzino, said the Smurls felt that after intense prayers, things were back to normal. 1987, Janet Smurl told reporters they still heard knocking and saw shadows. After the Smurl family moved to Wilkes Bar, Deborah Owens moved into the former Smurl home. 1988, and told reporters she never encountered anything supernatural while living there. 1991, two-hour made-for-TV movie called The Haunted was released by 20th Century Fox, written by Curran, the Warrens, and the Smurls. And, okay, oh, that's the Sally Kirkland thing, okay. Hmm. Now, Bonaventure University theology professors said uh, that there may be less demonic explanations. The home was blessed by several priests. They saw no harmful activity while on the property. Janet Smurl claimed to uh, claimed an unidentified priest performed three unsuccessful exorcisms. There's no record for that. And the demon avoided the rites by moving between the double block home and following the family to other locations in 1986. Priests from the local diocese spent two nights at the Smurl home after being after really bugging the shit out of him and said nothing unusual happened during his stay there. What a weird story. Now, we have a lot of things here. We have the water on the brain thing, which is absolutely bunk. It causes, you know, issues like that while you have the condition. But in almost every single case that I've seen... There's no lingering effects or anything like that. Now they're saying that he's filling in that information during that time, which does happen, yeah. But how do you explain the shit after? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not prone to flights of fancy like that. Number two, these people were very public with their church. There's never any talk of anything that I've seen. And I researched this last night for hours, these people. I didn't see anything about them being weird or prone to flights of fancy or, you know, mistreated by the church. Maybe that's not public information, maybe. But I wasn't seeing any, any evidence of them being kind of kooky people. 
when I dove into the uh, Warrens, I suspected to you know see World War Three online. And it kind of was, but they really didn't have anything against their their investigations themselves. Of course, it's not scientific because they're not scientists. They're ghost hunters. You have to go about it in a different way, right? And uh, everybody always wants to point to the affair for them being, you know, charlatans and fakes. Well, what does that have to do with the investigation itself? Nothing. I think the church is being extremely shady here. Very, very dicey. So I think there are major things going on behind the scenes. Unfortunately, whenever I hear weird smells, that makes my brain light up like a Christmas tree, right? Because we have heard this before. And with the gas leak angle, go and listen to that episode. That's the one, you know which one it is. But the gas leak can cause people to hallucinate, people to feel weird things, vibrations around the house. It can cause things to happen, auditory issues, everything like that. So when I hear weird smells, it instantly brings me back to that case. Unfortunately, I can't come to that conclusion here because no photos are left, no video is left, so we can't confirm that thing. Oh, and also, a major gas leak can cause anomalies in old film cameras. You know, with cameras that use actual film. But I'm not seeing anything here that will bolster us being able to debunk it or prove it. The Smurl haunting, I gotta say, requires further study. So anyway, guys, what do you think? Go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways at certain tiers, ad-free episodes, all kinds of stuff. So check it out. Shout out to the patrons, by the way, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for your patronage. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying there. So yeah, thank you everybody for coming back every week. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll see you on the next one, all right? Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support strange places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience. <laughs>